to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're ticking off another box on the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge, which I think we're almost done ticking off boxes with. Of- we are almost done. Okay. We have re- almost reached the end. Almost reached the end. Annotating a book. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Oh, what am I reading? I am reading a non- fiction book, which, you know, is not very normal for me. I don't read a ton of nonfiction, but um, I am reading Hidden Valley Road. Uh, oh, isn't that the, that's a big buzzy book, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. It's uh, Hidden Valley Road by uh, Robert Coker. Um, and it is about um, a family. Uh, it's in 19, it's, it's, it came out this year, but it's about a family. I would say, I think it's about 50 years ago, 50 or 60 years ago, um, who um, they have 12 kids and six Woof. of them were diagnosed with schizophrenia. And oh my gosh. It, and because of that, there's all these studies done on this family about schizophrenia and about the um, whether or not it's hereditary and um, and its development because it's just kind of wild that all six, that, six, that half of these kids develop schizophrenia. And um, it's interesting. I'm only, I'm not very far into it, but right now they do, a, um, the author does a really good job of sort of setting setting you up. He's like, this is what the family was like. This is what it was like having all these kids around. Also, they're really into like falconry, which is really interesting. Honestly, at this point, you could literally tell me anything about this family and I would believe it. Yeah. Well, set 12 kids is a... <laughs> It's a fuck town of 12 kids. kids. Half of them have, uh, have schizophrenia, actually, which actually also runs in my family. Mm. Uh, and they're all into falconry. And like, you could be like, falconry. oh, and they're all surfers and also wizards. Like, I yeah, would just yeah. believe anything about this family at this point. And, and most of them are boys. Um, she had 10 kids, and they were like, you got to quit having kids because now it's like doing stuff like to your body that's really not it's really bad what what's happening your body is like going to give out and she was like still haven't had a girl got to keep trying so they had two girls at the end um and <laughs> she, imagine the other relief she's like oh yes <laughs> <laughs> but they do a good job the author does a good job of um situating it in the era so it's basically like this is what it was like for um for schizophrenia up until that point this is what we knew about Ill- mental illness in like 1950s and like what people thought and the myths and uh the truths that we still kind of know um so it's really interesting i'm really enjoying it so far Um, what are you reading also i apologize in advance my cat lula has she has does this we're recording this at night which we don't normally do and lula likes to hunt at night and she has this one furry toy that we try to hide from her and she always finds it and she carries it around the house screaming at us oh my god <laughs> so if you hear a really she found loud it. meowing she saved you from the she tiny toy. Us. <laughs> uh so i am reading a book that will be uh certainly of interest to many of our listeners it's called dark archives by megan rosenblum uh megan rosenblum is a leader in the death positive movement and she is also a librarian and this book is uh her investigation into the science and history of books bound in human skin wow I mean, what else do you need? Like, truly, <laughs> what else do you need? It, it comes out October 20th, uh, where you actually are going to have Megan on the show next month. Uh, and it is, if you're looking for something that's, like, spooky and Halloween adjacent, but you're kind of a Halloweeny and you are not, mm-hmm. you don't want to read a horror novel, but you want to read something, like, in the Halloween zone, Halloween adjacent, this is perfect. It is, like, a really macabre, but also fascinating and scientific investigation into books bound in human skin. I have actually 
actually seen in person books bound in human skin. So there's some some museums that she goes to in the book that I've been to, and I'm like, oh my god, I've seen that. Um, I like that you think that that's not a spooky thing for people. You're like, you can handle it. <laughs> it's just a book bound in flesh like that is horrifying <laughs> but, it's, but it's not like the book bound in flesh is hiding under your bed and going to kill you with a knife <laughs> good point. That's a good point. very good point it, it's not like a haunted book bound in human skin <laughs> it's not an, it's a non-fiction book it's not a novel but does she talk about what if it has a mouth and it talks to you it'd be so scary it's, it's like the necronomicon like yeah. necronomicon and yeah. uh army of darkness exactly exactly <laughs> uh so that's yeah if you are into um like bibliographic history if you are into like science if you're into librarian science it is like it's a great amalgamation of just like stuff for goth librarians <laughs> it's 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 definitely a must buy for people who are into books and spooky stuff so that's dark archives by megan rosenblum and mine is hidden valley road inside the mind of an american family by robert Coker. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Linda wrote in about our reader discussion question episode. She was a question discussion or discussion question writer. Nice. We're so excited when oh, we recorded this we, episode. We asked for that. So just so listeners can uh, remember, we, we had a, um, a whole episode where we talked about the discussion questions like at the end of the book. And we were like, who does these? We want to hear from you. Well, apparently... Linda. Linda did. She used to write reader discussion questions. So Linda wrote in, when I worked in publishing a few years ago, I got to write some book discussion questions. I was on the marketing team for a small academic publisher, and we had a few books that we hoped would cross over to trade audiences and book clubs. No one at the company had done discussion questions before, so I volunteered. I read the books, taking notes as I went, and put together several questions for each one. I wrote questions about theme, narrator voice, the use of language and motifs, and how various elements of the book related to your, the reader's, life. And if I may say so, I was really fucking good at it. <laughs> you may say so. Love it. Uh, you may say so, Linda. Uh, the marketing director, editors, and authors were really happy with them. I blame this super niche skill on being both a literature major and a longtime Bible study group leader. Nice. I no longer work in publishing, but I remember having such an amazing time on that project. We finally heard from a, from a discussion question writer. This is so interesting. I like that the training is just like, I'm just good at paying attention to stories. And that's the training. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it is. Like, we're recording this episode on the day we actually did our uh, live book club for the Karen Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls. And there was a reader discussion uh, uh, guide in the back. And it was awesome. Yeah. And it was just, again, questions about the theme, about the voice, about different characters and their arcs. And it was super awesome. Someone, just like Linda, took notes and then wrote a discussion. Very nice. Um, so Jessica wrote in about snack cups. I just finished listening to How Does a Bird Work? A real hit episode, just so y'all know. Um, and I have to share... We're still, getting, we're still getting feedback from the bird episode. And I have to share how I became a snack cup convert, convert thanks to my kids. All their dishes have always been accessible to them, so sometimes we would ask them to bring a bowl for something and they would bring a cup. If, if there wasn't a problem with this, we would just put the snack in the cup. This started with goldfish and cereal and, and the like, but soon spread to things like applesauce and Chex Mix. At first, I just rolled my eyes, but soon I saw the many benefits. Not only do your hands stay clean, but if you don't finish your snack, then most plastic cups have lids. Plus, cups take up way less space in the dishwasher. Oh, that's a really good point. I like that. And when you have five people in the house, even stretching the dishwasher a little makes a huge difference. I'm totally with you right now. I'm home so much. That dishwasher gets run so often right now. During quarantine, I've really gone through my detergent. 
<laughs> and I will say I have totally, I, I mean, I'm a convert to the snack cup today. Uh, I was, sna- I was eating some, uh, some Cheez-Its out of a, out of a mug and I am a big fan. All right. Wow. We've so many converts <laughs> to the snack cup. Uh, for those who don't know, that's a cup that you put snacks in just regular, <laughs> just a regular cup. That's all it is. <laughs> I, I will say, I love that our, the top hits of book tech that we have interviewed, that we have reviewed on the show are snack cup plastic bag that you put an e-reader in it's just like really low fucking tech shit low rent. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> amazing uh and then megan wrote in with a wheelhouse which is literary novels from multiple povs books where people move to alaska or, or otherwise have made it in the wilderness i alaska moving to alaska is extremely specific and i want some recommendations about alaska books uh into the wild books- right that's an alaska book Oh, yeah, but it's not a happy one. <laughs> no, but I didn't, uh, Megan did not say that it had to be happy. <laughs> Sad books about people moving yeah. to Alaska. Um, Megan also likes books with strong female protagonists, books about communes, books about musical groups or bands, and books about sisters. Oh, nice. I, I'm sure there are probably quite a few books that well, tick off all these wheelhouses. I would say you must, if you haven't, read, uh, read The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls because it's a good book about sisters. Yes, for real. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Also, quick bookmark, you still have time. It has not come out yet. Bria's graphic novel, Mary, is coming out uh, in like a two, um, like a week and a half, two weeks after this episode airs. Yeah, like naughty, like a week and a half. Yes. So if you want a graphic novel about spooky ladies taking care of monsters, figuring their life out, having romances, this is the book for you. You can still pre-order it. You can support Bria. It's just make me happy because I am excited for my friend Bria Grant. Uh, I, uh, this is my most anticipated graphic novel of the year and you can order it right now. And if you already have it and you like it, go give it a good rating over on Goodreads. That really helps me out. Or a good rating over on Amazon or whatever you use. Um, please do that. It super helps me out. And um, just a little Maximum Fun crossover. I went. I did um, the Maximum Fun show, Switchblade Sisters, um, talking about Lucky McGee's, Lucky McGee's movie, uh, May, um, in, te- in anticipation for my movie. Weirdly, October's a strange month for me. I have a feature film that I directed coming out October 2nd, and my graphic novel comes out October 4th. Yes, 2020 has been a shit show, but for some reason, it's my shit show. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bria's, and we're very proud of her. You should watch Bria's movies, read Bria's book, and you can still still get in on that pre-order train. It is The time is has not run out yet, at least if you're listening to this show the day it comes out. Yeah. Or at least within a week or so. Uh, so before we talk about annotating books, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, you like movies? What about coming up with movie ideas over the course of an hour? Because that's what we do every week on Story Break, a writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have an hour to come up with a pitch for a movie or TV show based off of totally zany prompts. Like that time we reimagined Star Wars based on our phone's autocomplete. Luke Skywalker is a family man and it's Star Wars, but it's a good idea. (laughs) How about that time we broke the story of a bunch of Disney Channel original movies based solely on the title and the poster? Okay, Sarah Hyland is a 50-foot woman. Let's just go with it, guys. (laughs) Or the time we finally cracked the Adobe Photoshop feature film. Stamp tool is your Woody, and then the autofill is the new Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) Join us as we have a good time imagining all the movies Hollywood is too cowardly to make. Story Break comes out every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I don't know why I'm using this voice now.
week, we're ticking off another box on the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge, annotating a book. We've done an episode about what an annotated book is. Now it's time to test out annotating for ourselves. Did we like it? Did it add to our reading experience? So first, what do we think? Well, let's first talk about what annotating is, right? So, yes. So we talked about it a little bit, but it's, you know, it's destroying a book uh, by writing it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> taking, or taking the time not to just like plow through it, but to highlight and make a, you know, professional or personal note or two. Uh, you can use a highlighter. You can use colored ca- tabs. You can write in the margins. You can talk back to the text or just make a note if you're gathering information. Um, you know, if I'm writing something specific, maybe specific, maybe I'd write a note that said like, this is about her childhood. If I'm taking notes like I did for my graphic novel about like Mary Shelley, you know, just things that I can come back to later. But also you may write something like that is very specific to you in the, in the margin. Yes. And now let's, let's also talk about why somebody might annotate a book. Right. So you may be doing it for when you reread it. That's an example. So you can go back and see why it meant something to you um, and if that's changed. And you can also do it uh, for future readers, like in the case of Ryder Strong. Remember when he came on the show and talked about this? Yes. Ryder is a big annotator for sure. And he wondered if his kids were going to go back and like read what he had written. And we really liked that idea that his kids would like see the things that he was thinking about. Um, it's wicked fucking cool. Yeah, it's so nice. And some people talk about annotating for readers they don't know. Um, just when I was looking online, people talking about why they annotated books. Um, obviously, don't do this in a library book. But Crimes. <laughs> I find, Trust me, in my research, of which I do a lot of because I'm a nonfiction writer, I constantly find annotated books and I mentally curse whoever has done that. At the library? Uh, well, when I get, like, uh, we, I can't go to the library anymore, but I get library books and they'll be covered in, like, highlights or um, or little, like, notes in the margins or underlining stuff. If you do that, I have hexed you. If you live in the greater Los Angeles area and you highlight books that you've gotten from the library, know that somewhere I have put a hex on you. On the opposite end of the spectrum, when I was in grad school, I would always buy used books and I loved it when someone had already highlighted because... If I wasn't really feeling the book, I could just read their notes or just read their highlights. Or <laughs> it's like it's like a it's like your own cliff notes. It kind of is. Or I could always like compare what I thought was important to how they felt. So it was like if the book was boring, at least that part was sort of interactive for me. I could be like, oh, this person <laughs> thought this, and like I think that part doesn't isn't matter at all. So I thought I I think that was really really fun. But it, it made my research easier personally because in grad school I was just like whatever, whatever is important and someone else would have already done that work. Um, Fair enough. But also generally if you're doing it for yourself it makes research easier which I'm sure you can attest to. Um, yes. Yeah. But I, I only, I mean to be fair I, this, this actually research wise very few books that I annotate because I, I take notes and I work out of those notebooks when I write so I don't have to have like 17 books open or around me for, to, their, to, the, to their annotation pages there's a few that I will highlight but and especially because girly drinks is such a the the work that I'm doing on it is comes from such a specific angle that it's very very rare that I get a book that is pre-annotated right and like the stuff that's that's being highlighted as pertains to me in any way sometimes I'll get books that are that are annotated and I'm just like what is this person writing oh yeah that I loved that that was like something I always (laughs) why was this sentence important (laughs) yeah like who what was going through their head I think about that too because Kendall shows you if people have highlighted, if like more than a certain number of people have highlighted a line, it'll say like highlighted by 170 people or something like that. And I'm always like, wonder why this line? And I think, 
I think on the Kindle, in some ways, I am, you're more prone to pay attention to it if other people have highlighted it. And I'm more prone to highlighting it. Like I will think about highlighting it because other people have. Interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. So speaking of which, so Bria, have you ever annotated a book before? Do you annotate your eBooks? I do a lot of highlighting. Um, you know, I think it's fun. I, I like to annotate like as I'm going, if it's, especially if it's like a nonfiction book and it's something that like I'm interested in or it's something I think it's like kind of like self-improvement-y. Um, I, I highlight lines even from fiction books that are, you know, kind of poignant or something like that. Um, but annotating, so which counts, but annotating um, specific stuff I do for research purposes sometimes. Um, what's really nice about a Kindle, just to speak to the Kindle, is that I can annotate stuff, the book gets returned to the library, and I can still read my highlighted sections. So I, if oh, I'm doing, that is, that's cool. If I'm doing research, I can go back and be like, oh yeah, this is something that I highlighted a year ago about this subject that I'm, I was researching and I can read it, which is super duper helpful. Um, I really rarely annotate a book by hand because I just don't read that many physical books. Um, what about you? Uh, I have read annotated books before, like we talked about. In the, so if you're if you're interested in reading books that are, I, I say pre-annotated, but like books that are sold as an, annotated, like the author or some historian or scholar has like annotated historical work. Like I have annotated Dracula and I have like a bunch of annotated classic horror works and I've read those before, but I don't ever annotate books myself. Uh, every once in a while, if a line from a book really like strikes me for some reason, I'll write it on a post-it and stick it somewhere. Mm. Uh, there was a great line from Melissa Fabos's uh, book, Whip Smart, that I just absolutely fucking loved. And I had it on my closet mirror for a really long time because I liked looking at it while I was getting ready for the day. Uh, but I never really write in books or underline or anything. Uh, not out of any aversion to marking a book. Although I was thinking about this earlier, me and Jeremy now share a library and I realized that mo like all of our books are our books now. Mm -hmm. So I would have to ask him if he, if I, if I could highlight a book, but it just like, it never really occurs to me. Wow. Readers at home, let us know if you ask your partners, if you can annotate their books. Cause that is a really good question because once it becomes community property is it okay to just write in the book i guess is the question no no <laughs> not, she says not for us not for well it depends on the book like well, well so but it depends on the book you're talking about so bria which book did you annotate for this part of the challenge uh well because i have this graphic novel called mary which you should <laughs> pre-order it comes out in a week and a half pre-order it comes out october october 4th uh do it today any any place pre-order any old place um because I have this graphic novel, I did a lot of research on research on Mary Shelley, um, and I, the book isn't about Mary Shelley, but there were a couple. There were just things that I wanted to know, and then I ended up writing a little bio in the back of it about Mary Shelley, just because I felt like the audience is younger and they may not know a lot about Mary Shelley's life. Like they may be familiar with Frankenstein, but it's not even a sign that much, you know, as much I think as when we were younger uh, in high schools. So I wanted people to know about Mary Shelley because she was a really interesting person. And so I did a lot of research on her and I read, well, I don't know, like three or four books just about her life and did and uh, annotated those. And then I was able to go back to them later as I, because I started working on this two, two and a half years ago, something like that. And then, um, uh, then I, and then in the re, in, in doing, I just wrote the bio, like, I don't know, two months ago. So I, I was able to like go back and like look through all the stuff that I had written. So a couple of Mar Mary Shelley biographies, but then- for the challenge specifically, I decided to annotate a book of my on my own 
uh, and write in it called The War of Art. You know The War of Art, yes? Yes, and I know you really like this book. Well, interesting you say that. <laughs> it's a book I recommend often. And I don't know how much I recommend it anymore. <laughs> it's oh, really no. interesting. I mean, I know we don't talk about books we don't like, but I'm going to just talk about a little bit about I it. think this book is doing well enough that yeah, it'll, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, I, I think there are a lot of things in this book that I really like. And when I, I wish, I wish I had annotated it when I first read it, which is, I don't know, a million trillion years ago. Probably not, like seven years ago or something. Um, I wish I'd annotated it because I would like to know what I responded to so much because I've only read it the once and now I'm reading it again. Um, and I feel like I have changed a lot in that at the time, I think I was like, yes, yes, yes. All this makes sense to me because it's all about like um, how, it's all about how like resistance keeps you from making art. And it's like, these things are resistance. And there's a couple of things in it that I'm like, you know what? I don't know if this book applies to everyone because there is this whole part where he says like sickness is a resistance. And I'm like, there are people who are, <laughs> I, look, trust me, there are days where I'm like, I don't feel good, but, and I don't work. And that is a little bit of resistance for me. But there are a lot of people out there who are chronically ill. Correct. And I think for me personally, I am not chronically ill at this current moment. And uh, if I'm feeling sick, there is work I could probably be doing around that sickness. Um, but yeah, I don't, there are people who are chronically ill and that is going, that is not a form of resistance. If, you, if that feels like to say that almost feels like, you know, these cults that are like, well, what's holding you back anyway. Um, uh, so I, there, there's just part of me that's like, I don't know if this book is for everyone anymore. And I don't think I will be recommending it as much as I used to. Um, the book has not changed, but I have changed. And that's been kind of interesting to see where I have changed. And I wish I had that annotated version from when I was younger and thought this was like very important to me. And it was, it really did like change the way I, I acted about a lot of stuff. And I, I still think you can read it and determine on your own how you feel about it. Don't take my word for it. But um, yeah, so I, that one I've been annotating in the mornings. I'll read like, the chapters are like a page and I'll go through and like kind of highlight stuff that I think is interesting and like circle things that I think is interesting and kind of circle things that I'm like, I don't know if this is true. And I don't know if I totally believe this part of it. I think that there are parts that are, I don't know, like maybe not seen from every perspective, um, which I'm just more aware of now, I think, as I've gotten older. It's interesting that you, you annotating is like you're being your own writer strong dad. Like A little bit. <laughs> you've, passed, yeah. you've passed this book down to your future self ah. and you, to see how you've changed. <laughs> A little bit. And that's been kind of, it's been an interesting process. Um, and I kind of wish I had this for all like my self-help and like artsy books that I could see like what spoke to me when I read them. And then years later be like, does that still speak to me? Or have I like kind of changed and moved beyond that in some way? Um, what are you annotating? What did you do for the challenge? Uh, so I actually picked our, our book club book, uh, The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls. I figured that annotating a book I was going to discuss for our book club would be perfect just because, you know, most of the time I like inhale a book, like I just fucking plow through it. And I thought, well, I'm going to be discussing this with Bria and our listeners. I fe feel like taking the time to stop and really consider the themes and the characters and pick it apart a little bit would be really helpful when we're you know, discussing it. So that's the one I gave it a shot and I, uh, uh, we'll get to it in a little bit, but I had all some mixed feelings. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so how did you end up annotating just on your Kindle? Highlights for the Kindle and then pencil and margin writing for the war of art. Uh, what about you? 
So what I, I actually, I, I went through a couple of different things. First, I was like, ooh, I'll get a post-it. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to waste all those post-its and like have them all sticking out of the book. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll underline. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that either. Uh, so I ended up highlighting it. Um, and I, what I did was I highlighted things that I felt contributed to the themes of the book and like what I, what I felt kind of was overarching like moments or, th- or things that just sort of connected to a character arc or lines that I thought were great. Um, just sort of, it's, it's like kind of the, it's one of those weird things where it's like, you know it when you see it, but it was kind of hard to explain like how I, how I figured it out. You know what I mean? Like I would just read a line and be like, Oh, I think this has some symbolism that connects to the greater themes that I'm picking up from this book, you know? Yeah, totally. I do think there is a bit of like the, like it is like, yeah, you're kind of like reading with your heart a little bit. You yeah. Know, like whatever resonates with you. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think? What did you, did you like doing this? Did you get a lot out of it? Did you get nothing out of this? I mean, yes. I think highlighting on the Kindle is great for me. Um, I do it a lot in nonfiction, especially like a lean in type book where I'm like, you're right. I'm not vulnerable. And like things like that where I'm like, I should really <laughs> think about this. Like that stuff really helps. Um, uh, God, I remember reading, I read this book a couple years ago where it was like, it's not the habits of highly whatever people, but it's like one like that where like Tim Ferriss wrote it or somebody like that. And it was like, oh, this is the thing that all the like influential people, I they, like they all have these things in common. Like they get up and take a cold bath in the morning. And I was like, I'm reading this book. And so then I highlighted <laughs> things that I thought were like kind of important. Um, anyway, so I think it helps me to remember that. Um, but for the average book, I, I'm not gonna take the time to do the whole thing. Um, I think like just pulling a quote, when it like hits me in the chest, you know, and I'm like, oh, you're right. I, I resonate with this quote for whatever reason, even though it might be a fiction book or something that, but the character makes sense or they say some truism or something that really sticks with me or they say something that like, it feels like a truth for my life that I have not been able to like articulate that kind of stuff. I, I, I think it's important for me to highlight that even if it's just for the next person reading a Kindle to see that I have highlighted it and it says like, this number of people have highlighted this quote. Like, I'm happy with Kindle telling people that. I think it's good because then it's almost like I'm sharing the quote, the world is my writer's strong children. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about you? What did you get out of this? I fucking hated this. (laughs) (laughs) I really actually did not like annotating a book at all. Um, I think, and I think there was a couple of strikes against it for me. I think that the knowledge that I needed to be looking for things to highlight did more for me than the actual highlighting did. Like, but I had a hard time with it. Like it, it obviously, you know, you have to literally stop and highlight things. It disrupted my reading pattern. I normally read so fast that it was like I had to constantly stop and like highlight shit. Well, not constantly. I wasn't highlighting every page, but it just like it really like reading for me is such like I obviously it's a, a habit of mine and disrupting that was like slightly annoying. Um, and I, I agree with you. I don't think I would do this with fiction again. I think it's more of a self-help self-help thing mm-hmm. that that's like the like the primo book to be to be annotating. Um, it, but again, it's really tough for me to tell because I'm a fucking nonfiction writer. So this made my leisure reading feel like my job. Yeah. Like literally for the past, like all since my book tour got canceled, five to six days a week for like 12 hours a day. All I do is read books right. and, and annotate and it make notes. So bringing that into my reading 
just was awful and I truly hated it. Uh, but I can see how for some people this might help deepen your reading experience. Like again, if you're going to be doing this for a book club or you're trying to learn, like maybe trying to figure out your wheelhouse or trying to like, I don't know, connect with the book more. I can definitely see how this might be really enjoyable for, for people. But for me, it just really stressed me out and it just didn't, also there's so many places that I like reading like I like reading with a drink or I like reading in the tub and I'm not gonna bring my highlighter in the tub (laughs) (laughs) not happening (laughs) someone has a solution for that there's some sort of like probably waterproof highlighter or something or like I don't know take like dangle a highlighter from your ceiling so you (laughs) (laughs) and then you move your book underneath it <laughs> I don't know. No one can so see funny. my hands, but I'm showing Mallory on FaceTime that like moving a book around. It is very funny to me. Uh, but yeah, I just annotating is not for me. Um, I just want to read. Like I don't want to do any. Maybe like again, it's tough to tell if uh, sometime in the future I ever stop being a nonfiction writer this would feel different, but like it just, even this like looking at a highlighter now puts me, makes me, puts me in like girly drinks mode. <laughs> so like I can't, you look at a cut highlighter and it's like cut to 10 hours later and you've, you've written a bunch of pages and you're like, where have I been? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's that is my for you. Fucking, it is my fucking life. <laughs> it is like, ugh. so I, I, but I did enjoy, I'm, I'm glad I picked this. I think I would have had a less fun time if I hadn't picked our book club pick. I think, yeah. um, doing it for our book club made it, made it more, made it more fun. And I will say I made sure to choose a book that I know Jeremy is never going to fucking read. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I think also like, I think what we're saying is that for both of us, it's a bit of a like, am I going to have to present this information later in some yes. form? Then yes. And then I think I also like just generally like to highlight stuff, but it's so un- it's so nothing to do it on the Kindle because you just, you yeah. don't have to get out any tools. Yes. And I think for me rereading, at least with the highlighting, um, if I was rereading a book that had already been highlighted, like my obviously my eyes go straight there before any other anything else so it kind of would disrupt my reading pattern mm, interesting uh-huh so maybe i need to find a different way of annotating highlighting clearly is not the way to go for me you'd have to turn it off on the kindle because it automatically is there where it, like i will turn the page and it's like oh this part is highlighted um too stressful but i do kind of like it i like i like knowing what people think is important like it is it is like it it is part of my like little bit of like i i'm a little bit of a voyeur <laughs> voyeur how do you say that word voyeur <laughs> voyeur and in some you, ways you're reading and you look out and bria has like binoculars looking in your your room and she's like hey no you, what line do you like is that a good line no Why do but, you like that you know what i do love though i love when oh this is weird maybe i shouldn't admit this <laughs> And we gotta cut this off. You have, uh, you have well, to. Now. I love when people like leave their windows open and you can see them like watching TV in their house. And I'm like walking the dog, and it's like nighttime. Oh no, I totally feel oh. the same way. If it's like looking in a dollhouse, it like- is. And then also, I, it makes me feel like comfortable, like knowing there are people out there that feel comfortable enough leaving their windows open. And I used to oh, live no, in a neighborhood totally that it was like you. that was like really normal to see all this. So I would leave my window open, and I'm like, I'm gonna let these people watch me watch TV. Like it was like oh, this yeah. like, exchange. I'm the same I, like way. I, I always have my windows open and like yeah I think we all that's why the HGTV channel is so popular everyone wants to know what everyone else's houses look like yeah that's, true. that's why Instagram exists yeah that's true. that's true you're just participating in live Instagram Bria you're fine okay good <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you can send your thoughts on annotating to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. And before we test out some book tech, we're going to take a quick break. 
Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for maximum fun. It's time to test out some book tech, advances in bookish technology. Today's isn't quite book tech. So in the spirit of snack testing, we're testing out two hot reading drinks that listeners sent in. Uh, the first one was sent in by a listener named Katie. Thank you, Katie. And it is Novelties. And it's like a little package called Novelties, like Novelties, mm -hmm. two different words. And it's a pack. It's like ba individual bags of English breakfast tea. But each bag has like a little like cute saying from an author on it. Yeah, like a quote. Yes. An so annotated tea bag. <laughs> Oh my God, it is. Holy shit. Annotated. An annotated bag. Um, that sounds weird. Um, first of all, I'm going to argue, I'm going to argue, Mallory, that tea is a technology. I think that you are despairing, disparaging of tea. Um, I am not a tea drinker. It admittedly. is one thing. And then it becomes another thing with the use of a, with a, of a tool that is basically just magic. That's what that is. It's fucking magic. Um, <laughs> I think these are cute. Um, each one is really is different, uh, um, which is which is cool. Um, I think the tea was fine. Um, if you aren't like a tea snob, and if you're asking if I'm a tea snob, the answer is no. I drink Trader Joe's decaf tea every morning <laughs> that I had to find specially online to order during the quarantine. So I am not a snob, but I love my own habits. And this is not the tea I drink in the morning, but I did enjoy it. Um, it is not decaf. I normally drink a decaf tea, but I thought it was, I thought it was good. Either way, it's a lovely little gift to give to people. Yes. Like if someone likes tea and they're into English breakfast and they like books, honestly, even if they don't like tea that much, this is a good gift because if they like books, I think it's a nice little, little gift. Uh, what, what did you think? Uh, I agree. I think this tea is wicked cute. Uh, so it has like cute little bo uh, bookish quotes from like Jane Austen and like a little like like, you know, classic literary authors uh, on every little tag. Uh, so I, I agree. I think this would be this is like an ideal stocking stuffer yeah, for a cute. reader friend. Yeah. Like a cute gift that you would put in like a gift bag or a gift basket or a Christmas stocking. And the tea is fine. Uh, it's like regular grocery store quality. Yeah. Black yeah. tea. I also, I'm a big Lipton drinker. I like, I'm from, I'm from, or, or like Louisiana. Like I love those kinds. It's not quite as strong as those for, is what I, like the flavor yes. wasn't as strong. Yes. Um, and I, uh, so my boyfriend is a wicked big tea snob, like drinks, like imports pounds of tea. Uh, like loose leaf tea. Where from? It, 
uh, I don't even know. He has like all these contraptions that like in like a he's a he has a special tea, like remote control operated teapot that makes the tea the exact temperature that is needed for the specific tea leaves. Like it's very complicated. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't even remember the last time I drank tea. I don't. I'm not a tea person. So for me, this tea was fine. <laughs> Mallory's grand review of this the flavor of this tea totally fine. Um, uh, so it's probably not what a tea snob would dr- want to drink every day. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, I, four out of five pages, I think this is a very cute gift. Completely agree. Same with pages. And then, <laughs> so so this was supposed to be a, a, a review of a second hot drink. Um, <laughs> First of all, someone who keeps adding chocolates to our- to, to, Who could it be? To our Amazon wish list. Don't know who that could be. <laughs> what a mystery so this was a, this was from nicholas so nicholas sent us a couple of things thank you so much nicholas for this and these were it was hot chocolate uh well it's it's chocolate but it was like this pack of round chocolate discs in different flavors and we split them up but in the inside it had instructions for it was like it's like mexican chocolate and it had instructions for making hot chocolate out of it <laughs> except <laughs> Bria ate it all. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> uh, I just imagine Bria like a cartoon character. So she like opened the bo- the bag that I, the tote bag that I gave her full of reading glasses and stuff. And she was like, oh, chocolates. And just like ate the entire, I literally just made a sucking noise and it just all went down my throat. <laughs> like wrapping it all. <laughs> I realized that this is for hot chocolate and not necessarily snacking chocolate. So... Mallory, do you want to just do the review without me? Because I ate it all without. Well, and the funny thing is there were three rounds that Mallory gave me and I didn't make hot chocolate out of any of them. I ate them all. And the funny part is I'm reading it over here like, oh, wow, I recognize it because it's so gritty because it's meant to be melted into chocolate. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. I'll do a review. I'll do a review. So I love this brand of chocolate. When I saw it, I was like, ooh, because I love it. Um, it's one of my favorite brands. I did a chocolate tasting somewhere. I went to a chocolate farm. Yes, friends. I went to a chocolate farm. How are you still, how are you here? How are you not living on this chocolate farm? Oh, trust me. There were moments where I was there. I was like, could I move here and get a job? And the thing is, I probably could. I think not for, they wouldn't pay me, but I could probably move there. Um, you could probably, they would pay you in chocolate. Maybe. Um, and, but we did this like blind tasting of chocolate and I was able to like identify this one because it is so gritty, but in a good way. I love the grittiness. Um, it is like a gritty chocolate in these circu- in these little circular discs. Um, and then you like take each piece off like it's a little piece of pie. Um, unfortunately, it's summer in California and these clearly melted a little bit, but they were revived by the time they arrived. I love this chocolate. It's full flavor. It's ethically sourced. It is round. I don't know why it's round, but it's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's not sticky. It's not melty. It's hard. It's a thick chocolate. Five out of five for me for just the snacking part. I cannot tell you about the hot chocolate part because Mallory's correct. I chose not to do that. Felt like getting Chose. in the way of the pureness of this chocolate. This is a pure. Like you didn't just eat them as soon as you got them. Uh, those these didn't make it more than there were three of them. They made it three days. <laughs> um, I just love this chocolate. I think it's such a good one. Uh, did you, so you made the hot chocolate. You did the thing. Yeah, I still have two left. Like I don't. Bring I'm not those a big sweet. Over. <laughs> 
not a big sweets person unless it's just, it's peanut M&Ms of which some I had today. Um, but so I did make the hot chocolate because I wanted to do we want to do a hot drinks episode. And I got to say, I do think that this is the premier way to eat chocolate while reading. Oh, eat it is drinking it. Yes. You're, it's cozy. It's not going to get on your hands. Uh, one dock off of its points, though, is it did take a while to make. And by while, I mean, like, for me, anything other than opening a package is a while to make. Sure. I hate making food. Hate food. Uh, but because <laughs> you have to chop the chocolate up. You have to heat up some, in my case, oat milk. Uh, you have to do- dissolve it slowly on the stove. And then you have to mix-, mix it up with a whisk. And then you have to whisk it so it's all frothy. It's probably like 10 to 15 minutes worth of doing stuff. I, I just, I hate preparing food. I wish I could plug myself into the wall. Yeah, but that's I don't about like that. This. That's a li- just slightly more than like adding a mix. And this is so much better, I assume. I don't know. Again, didn't well, get that far. Well, thing is, if you really like hot chocolate, this would be great for you. Um, it's very thick. Uh, you could probably even stretch it out and put more because it was like it asked for just a cup of oat milk or like whatever milk you use. I We use oat milk. Um, and so it was like a little bit, just a cup of like wicked thick chocolate. Oh, it wow. It was like, like wow. a syrup. Yeah, extremely. But I'm also, you know, I don't, I'm not a big hot chocolate person. I like, I think the last time I had hot chocolate was like Swiss Miss or something. So very watery. Um, But uh, if you love hot chocolate, this is great. And I I think if you're like doing like a nice self-care night with a book and some hot chocolate and like spend some time to make yourself something before you read this is perfect. So I'm still giving it a five out of five. I give the the novelties four out of five. Yeah, I I will do the... I'll do the same. Uh, four out of five are novelties. Five out of five for this chocolate if you're snacking on it. That's all I can say. I can't tell you maybe otherwise. It's, maybe, it's, maybe it's good that we did two different tests. Although I will question. So Priya, what do you think about hot drinks as a reading snack or beverage? Love it. Because I drink a lot of tea. So I, I love it. I like, I like a hot anything to drink. Not anything, but I like a hot <laughs> <laughs> I like a hot drink, um, and it's kind. Of, it's cozy. It's cozy. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't drink it the whole time. You have to put it down because it's hot. But I, I like. <laughs> I like it. I will say, yeah. If folks are looking, if you were a chocolate eater, if you were a Bria and you're a big chocolate eater, and you're spending a lot of time getting chocolate on books, I and you know, I mean, it's September. It's still fucking 90 degrees here in Los Angeles every fucking day because we are living in a the butthole of the fires of this dystopian hellscape that we're in right now. But at some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get cooler. And I know in other parts of the country, it's down to like 70, 60, maybe, in, maybe even 50 degrees at night. Uh, so if you're looking for something like cozy and you want to have something sweet, I really think a hot chocolate drink would be a premier reading snack. Please send your thoughts. And if you wanted to, us to test out some book tech, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Now let's solve a reader problem from one of our listeners. Trevor wrote in, how do you both balance other hobbies with reading, specifically leisure hobbies like watching TV or movies? A lot of the time I feel like I should be reading to get through my TBR list if I'm watching TV or if I'm reading that I should be watching the shows that pile up on my Netflix list and it can cause some anxiety. Bria, what should Trevor do? Wow. Is Trevor me? Because I feel like me, Trevor, has trouble relaxing. Um, I, like a freak, put uh, relaxing on my to-do list. <laughs> like a normal adjusted Just person. Just like a normal human. 
Mallory's dropped her phone. We're on FaceTime and Mallory's dropped her phone like three times and it's really funny because it always looks like, it looks like you're just like tumbling out of frame and it's really, whoa. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> it keeps happening. Um, so like a freak, I uh, put relaxing my to- to-do list. I literally will put read two chapters or whatever on my list because I want to make sure I actually get in some nice reading time. A um, little insight into me. I, I journal a couple times a week and every month I give myself sort of a little little phrase for, for, for the month so I can like try to stick with it. This month's phrase was remember to breathe because I feel like sometimes I am so busy I forget to breathe. <laughs> um, what a mood. So I understand. Um, I definitely go through phases where I am just reading or just like watching Parks and Recreation uh, or whatever uh, because there's right. You're right. There is not time for both. There's not time for binge watching an entire show and binge reading, you know, uh, a, a series of books. There's not, there's not, there's not enough. Unless you're not sleeping, but we really recommend doing I that. I recommend sleep. Five <laughs> out of five. Five out of five for sleep. Um, <laughs> Big fans. I think the thing that I have tried to do in recent years, and I think you're about to say the exact same thing, uh, is that I don't watch a bunch of shit I don't care about anymore. Um, if it takes four episodes to get into it, that is four too many episodes. I want one episode. You get one. Yeah, don't you love when people are like, oh, I really want you to watch the show, but you got to watch the first two seasons before yeah. it gets And then I'm like, like, I will no. start at season three. Then I, I don't have energy for all of that. There's actually too much good media out there for me. I, TV, books, film, like uh, just there's so much good stuff right now. You actually don't have to like waste your time watching or reading the shit you don't want, which is why... Uh, Mallory and I really encourage you to like, if you don't like a book, ditch the book, you know, Dump it. because you have this long ass TBR list, like be aware of the fact that, that it's long. And if it's a book is not grabbing you, if the book is not a book you would recommend to somebody else, or you like, just can't decide, you can't wait to see what happens next. You don't, you shouldn't be reading that book. And I feel the same way about a TV show. Dump that book. Otherwise it is work, which is fine. I watch TV for work. I read books for work. So does Mallory. Um, and that is fine. It, you can watch shit or do shit for work. But if you're not, I would recommend, recommend maximizing that downtime by only taking part in the shit you actually really like. Yeah. Uh, I just don't balance it. Like, it's my <laughs> fucking, it's my leisure time. Like, I just don't balance it. It. it I think uh, something that Trevor is probably f- struggling with, which a lot of people do is the I, just the whole idea of a tbr list or a watch list in general like looking at a list immediately like what do you do with the list you fucking t- cross stuff off that's the whole point of a list so making a list about something creates some sort of i like atmosphere of you have to do it mm-hmm. and that is really stressful for, for some people it's why i don't keep a tbr list um and i get it uh it's why i don't want to have a watch list Mo- i mean and to be fair i mostly just rewatch twin peaks over and over again anyways <laughs> although we have been i have been jeremy has been showing me buffy we finally got to season three of buffy the vampire slayer but even that like after we finish a season i'm just like okay i need i, I just need a break from from watching stuff um like having a list or a stack suddenly makes me feel like I have something to do and I just can't, I cannot handle that in my leisure, leisure time. With, with, and with shows and movies, I just want, want watch the ones I want to see as soon as they come out. That's kind of like how, how it happens. Like I have in my calendar, like I will keep a little like a, a movie, an adaptation of a book that I really love, a movie that I really want to see. I'm thinking of ending things. Mm. It came out recently on Netflix and me and Jeremy watched it the night it came out. We had a nice little movie night. Um, because that's uh, with, with and with books, 
I just read all the fucking time because that's what I feel like doing. Instead of measuring what you quote unquote need to do by your TBR or TB or to be watch list, toss that fucking shit out the window and measure it with, with what you feel like doing. Remember, you don't need to read a certain amount of books a month or watch a certain amount of movies to be a good person. You, uh, unless you are a professional reviewer of things, like you just don't need to like you just don't need to worry about it. Don't stress yourself out. Don't make it into a job because it feels like Trevor is moving from uh, Trevor's job, like day job and then into, okay, well, here's all the things I need to do in my leisure time. Throw it all out the window. Just don't think of it like that. Yeah. I think these are two good options. I, if I threw shit out the window, I would definitely, uh, that would stress me out more because I feel like I would forget about things that I really want to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, just like, but I, th- th- I think both of our advice, pieces of advice need to like combine into Voltron because it's the same thing. Like this happened to Jeremy recently. There was a book that he ended up dumping, but if he really felt like he needed to read it because it was like a big buzzy book and he wanted to be able to talk about it. But he, he spent weeks trying to get through it until finally I was like, babe, fucking dump that book. Like you're never going to finish it. It's been on your bedside table for like three weeks. But he's like, oh, but I really like, I feel like I should, like, I don't want to forget it. I'm just like, it's fine. Just, yeah. just Sometimes dump it. Sometimes you're done, done with it. Sometimes it's not for you. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So Trevor, take some pressure off yourself. Just do the, like live in the moment, man. Just re- do the stuff you want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Uh, and we just want to, we had a, a few random emails about this, just folks, so folks know we don't run the Facebook group. We are, it is a Reading Glasses fan group. We are not, like I am a, an admin of it, but I mostly, I, I haven't been on there in, in a little bit because I've been away from social media because I'm working on girly drinks. But it is a, it is a fan run, Je- the lovely Danielle and Jessica and Kathy are the ones who run it. So if you need something from Reading Glasses, email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Don't go through the Facebook group. Um, uh, especially since Bria is totally not on Facebook right now. So if you need stuff from us. I haven't us, been on Facebook in like four years. Oh, what a dream. I left four years uh, ago. <laughs> haven't looked back. <laughs> <laughs> so remember you can buy reading glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks and stickers in the maximum fun store there's a link in the show notes uh, and if you like the show please rate and review us on itunes it's great for us uh, it helps us reach more readers it also helps us get more advertisers so if you want me and Bria to help feed all of our cats reviewing the show generally or genuinely helps with that and it takes like 30 seconds it's really really helpful for us you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter reading jeep podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our book adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading, reading.